Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. Have we gotten to this point where people wake up every morning looking for something to be offended about? I live in this place called the real world, and I understand what is going to happen. Her story is, I was trying to scare him away. At the same time, she shot him point blank in the face. Okay, that's not exactly a warning shot. The Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 855-616-1620. Coming up next, Squirrel. And now, here's your host, Brian Noonan. Yes, sirree. Happy New Year's Eve. Jeff will be back on Thursday, but I am here with you today. Kyle is behind the glass. If you call in on the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line, you'll be talking to him. If you're nice to him, you get to me. That's how it works. We are going to have some fun today. I know there's a few things happening, but and we will keep an eye on that, of course, with the WTMJ Breaking News Center. But it is the last day of 2019, so we're going to talk a little bit about resolutions. We're going to talk about some good luck food. We're going to talk about beer because, well... It's me, and we have to talk a little bit about beer. And we'll introduce a new segment that I have not uh, I have not done here on WTMJ, Florida News. It's all a year-end Florida News wrap-up. We are going to... Kyle is excited because, uh, you know, hopefully we will not talk about any incendiary topics today that will get people upset, except Mother Nature obviously has been upset by something. Uh, I don't know what mood she's going through. I don't know if it's a hormonal thing, but uh, we've gone from 60 and balmy to 26 and snowy, and I am not a fan of this uh, rapid rapid change. It's almost like uh, Mother Nature is having hot flashes and then cold flashes. And, uh, you know, like she's, she's pulling the blankets up in bed and then throwing them off because it's so hot in here. So I, I, don't, I woke up, you know, we got home last night. After, after the show here, I drove down to see my mom because uh, those of you with parents who are up in age, my mom is 82, and she fell the other night while we were we were all getting together uh, for my brother's birthday. She fell. She had to have some staples in her head. She's fine. But the point is, there's, you know, you worry then. And we've been talking since. But so we went out to see her anyway. Got home about eight o'clock and it was starting to snow. And I was like, oh, boy. Got up this morning, of course. Look out. There's snow everywhere. So I got my cardio in because I shoveled. Now, I don't, do you... Do you uh, shovel before you come to work, Kyle, or do you just hope that somebody else comes around and takes care of that no, for you? I, I, I do it. I got a porch and everything, so I got to take care of that as well. You so have the porch cleaned yeah. off. What if the mailman comes or the letter carrier? If I'm being politically correct, and then slips and falls down, and you don't get your, you know, I don't know what you get your junk mail. Well, your, that's your, right. Your bill from ComEd. I do. I do rent, so it's not necessarily my issue too much if he slips and falls. That's because, nice. Uh, that is the, the their person's property, but, but okay. because of that, they do buy a lot of salt. Yes, for us. So, like, they have they'll come by and salt every couple days. Oh, that's nice. So it's 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 well taken care of. I didn't have time to salt this morning, and I have to get some more in the backyard on the like deck and the walk to the uh, garage. I've got to get that pet friendly stuff, so my dog's feet don't. I don't know what would happen if I use regular salt if they just you know blow up and explode. My dogs would just have to, you know, be walking on these bloody stumps. Ah, that's a good that's a good way to start the show. Enjoy your lunch, folks. Uh, so I got to get some of that, but I'll salt when I get home. But I did, I did, I felt good because I worked up a little sweat before I got in the car to come to work today. Um, that'll be the only sweat I work up unless I'm picking up maybe a you know a growler of beer tonight instead of just a mug. So that'll be a, that's the sweat I'm looking forward to. But it was uh, a crazy morning, and I again started to wonder as I do every time it snows, and maybe you do too. 
what is keeping me from moving to a warmer climate? Why am I not somewhere uh, tropical? Why do I have to worry about this snow at my advanced age? Because I used to, uh, all kids love the winter. All kids love to be in the snow. I do not, uh, I do not care for it anymore. And yet, here I am. And I will survive another winter. And then I'll forget about it because it'll be beautiful in the spring and summer and the fall. And then next winter will come again. And I will say, uh, hmm, why am I still here? Who knows? All right, we've got to, we're going to get to a, um, an update on a story we did yesterday because there was a lot of uh, concern and consternation about this Kansas City police officer. Do you remember this story? Who had supposedly left McDonald's with a vile message scribbled on his cup. Well, hmm, I don't think... Uh, and, and I kept saying, this doesn't make sense because if you remember, the McDonald's employee said... The McDonald's owner said, listen, we've looked at surveillance footage from every possible angle. And we believe wholeheartedly that it is not one of our employees. We watched we watched the cup. We watched the whole transaction. It's not one of our employees. Hmm. Well, guess what? It wasn't one of their employees. It was, in fact, the cop. That's right. The cop, pardon me, the cop in Kansas City wrote it himself quote-unquote, as a joke. As a guy who tells jokes a lot for a living, or told jokes for his entire living for a long time, and a guy who still likes to sling jokes now and then, I get tired of everybody using it was a joke as an excuse. So, according uh, according to the chief of police, the Harrington Police Department chief, uh, quote, in our investigation, we have found that McDonald's is, and its employees did not have anything whatsoever to do with this incident. It was completely and solely fabricated by a Harrington police officer who is no longer employed with our agency. So good move. They tossed him out. But does somebody else have some culpability in this, too? I'll share the rest of the story and we'll try to figure out, you know, yes, good. OK, this this officer is gone. But is there somebody else who should pay a price too? And why are we so quick to believe things that we either get in text messages or we see on the internet? A lot of questions. Will you have the answers? 855-616-1620, of course, is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. More after this, WTMJ. Back for more, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Nope, not till Thursday. Jeff will be back Thursday at noon. Brian Noonan until 3 o'clock. I've got one of those, uh, you ever have one of those where you feel like you have to sneeze, but it just won't happen? So if at any point I go silent, it's because uh, it finally decided to come. Uh, We're talking about this Kansas City police officer who yesterday, all the reports were, oh man, everybody jumped on it. Oh, he went to McDonald's and he left with a... uh, F pig on his F and pig was written on his coffee cup, and man, oh man, this is a black mark on the police department. And the f- police chief was saying, "We're going to get to the bottom of this. We can't have this uh, going on." And McDonald's, the owner of the McDonald's in Junction City, Kansas, said, "Well, we we didn't do it. No, but none of our employees did it. We've we've looked at all the surveillance footage. What are we to do?" Well, now it comes out, uh, according to the police chief, this was all a quote unquote joke by this police officer. Now this officer had only been on the job for a couple of months, um, but he's been fired. 
He's been fired because this is, quote-unquote, an obvious violation of the public trust, according to the police chief, which is, which is true. Good decision to let this guy go. Who else is culpable in this situation? And I'm going to say it was the, it's the police, police chief as well, because here's what happened. Just to reacquaint you with the story, if you don't remember. So McDonald's said they didn't do it. They ran a whole big thing. Well, now, turns out, Saturday, this officer who was fired, and they're not releasing his name because it's a personnel matter, they say. So he leaves McDonald's, and he scrawls this on his cup. Sends a text with this picture to the police chief. And is like, oh, no, what's going on? The chief then quickly, without investigating, posts it to Facebook, which is where things take the ugly turn. He posts it to Facebook from his personal account. Before learning that the officer's story was made up, he called the incident, quote, a black eye for Junction City, end quote. Uh Yesterday, he said, now it is absolutely a black eye on law enforcement. Now, this wouldn't have gone any further had it not been for the chief. So does the chief bear some responsibility in all this? Should there be some disciplinary action for the chief for not investigating this and then just posting it to his Facebook account? And I know we've all been the victim of this kind of thing before. Where who's who's retweeted something without investigating it? Who's shared a post on Facebook without investigating it? You see, uh, you know, from the president on down, this happens, where you just retweet, and then later you find out, oh, that was probably a bad source to retweet, or hmm, that story was completely false. Now I do like that Facebook is has made small strides. To if you, if an article is posted, say Kyle posts some crazy article, and he's always posting propaganda. I don't know what the, what it's all about, but at least he, there's a little notation where I can click on it to see his source, and they'll say, you know, this is a uh, news source that has been in operation since 1980. Uh, this one just started last week under a you know an assumed name, so you can even uh, even a cursory investigation is going to help you figure out if this is a reliable source to retweet now if i get a text from kyle and it's a picture of something that i consider an affront i'm probably not probably a hundred percent going to text him back and go hey man what's going on with this and i would imagine that's that should be tenfold if you're somebody's boss you know if i was to text our boss and you know a picture of that somebody scrawled something on uh, a WTMJ sign or uh, there was some graffiti somewhere else about WT blah, blah, blah. And I texted it to him and he just reposts it and goes on this big rant about how horrible people are for being disrespectful to these heritage call letters, uh, something like that, without investigating the fact that I just wrote it because I'm a jerk. Well, then... It's my fault for being a jerk and sending him the text, but is it my fault that he disseminated it without doing any investigation? Absolutely not. It's his fault. So now I don't think the police chief should lose his job, but something there has to be some sort of repercussions. Because in the end, it's his action 
that caused this whole uproar. While the officer's action may have instigated a response from the chief, the chief took it upon himself to go public. That's why I see, like, if I see friends of mine or relatives that just repost or forward something, you know, it's the same as forwarding these bad chain emails. You know, nothing good is going to happen. Investigate first. As we go into 2020, that's something we all should do. We all should just make sure that we are going to investigate before we just disseminate. Investigate, then disseminate. That's the buzzwords for 2020, Kyle. Investigate, then disseminate. Um, this was a this was part of the statement from the police chief. I truly hope that the former officer that did this, I hope he understands the magnitude of the black eye that this gives the law enforcement profession from coast to coast. None of us can be excluded from that. Uh, the chief added that he's going to question his decision about posting anything on social media because of the impact it could have. Yeah, really, all we want to see are puppy videos or pictures of your kids in their school pageant or, you know, you trying to brag that you're having your best life, hashtag blessed. We get it. That would be fine. You don't need to, you don't, you don't need to treat Facebook and Twitter and everything like your own personal soapbox. Like you are going to spread the word and you're going to change people's minds. Because let's be honest, I don't think social media has changed one person's mind about something they felt strongly about. I know I've never had my opinion changed on Facebook based on some comments or rantings of someone in the comment section. Have you? No, I didn't think so. Didn't think so. After this, this is very this is very exciting. Uh, a touchstone to your past has changed hands. I will explain on the other side. It's WTMJ. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Brian Noonan in for Jeff. Were you a fan of the Beverly Hillbillies? Remember the cement pond? You remember that whole thing? Well, the how the mansion that the Beverly Hillbillies lived in has become California's most expensive property. It sold for around $150 million. I hear these kind of numbers for real estate or for anything, and I, I cannot fathom them. Fathom them. $150 million. Now, this is not just a house. Uh, it's it's a the Chartwell Estate. So if you name your house, you can always add about 20% to it. You know, Uh Casa de Kyle would sell for more than just a house on whatever street that you happen to live on. So the Chartwell Estate is located in the uh, exclusive L.A. neighborhood of Bel Air. That's where Will Smith lives. Not really, but the Fresh Prince lived there. Uh, it's a French neoclassical-style chateau. sits on 10 acres of land, and it was brought, bought by Rupert Murdoch's son, Lachlan, according to the Los Angeles Times and the Wall Street Journal. So you got to have some Fox News money. Or some uh, some News Corp money if you want to, want to be buying the Beverly Hillbillies house. Now I'm going to buy. Uh, I'm thinking of buying maybe the shed from uh, Petticoat Junction, or the uh, where Arnold Ziffel lived, the little pig shelter from Green Acres. I can get that for sixty eight five. But other than that, I don't have. I don't have. Uh, you know the kind of dough to buy TV houses. Have you watched that uh, the Brady Bunch show where they're re redoing the Brady Bunch house? I saw two episodes of it, and I was like, all right, this is this is ridiculous. It's an 18-bedroom home. Would you, what would you do with an 18-bedroom home? 
Now, Grant, I'm not saying you shouldn't buy it. I'm not saying you shouldn't spend your money on it. You got the money and you want to do it? And I again, I think of things like this sometimes from the budget that I have. First of all, I, I know he probably has a staff to keep it clean, but my first thought is, how are you going to keep this place clean? It's going to take me three days just to clean it. You know, plus now, even if you have a couple kids, they all have a bedroom. You have a bedroom. You still have maybe, I don't know, 10 to 14 bedrooms extra, which just opens your house up to people to come and visit, which I, I have no desire to do. Uh, the sale has beaten the Los Angeles County record of $110 million, said in April 2018 when Peter Morton, co-founder of the Hard Rock Cafe, sold his beachfront home in Malibu. Uh, the Bel Air Estate is now the second most expensive home ever sold in the U.S. Uh, there was one in New York City bought by a billionaire hedge fund manager for two hundred thirty-eight million. So, what do you get for one hundred fifty million? I already told you, you get eighteen bedrooms, you get twenty-four bathrooms. So, I would use a different one every day. Like Mondays, I would use bathroom number one. And then by the by the 25th of the month, I have to start over. But by that time, my staff has caught up with the, the damage that I've done for the first 24 days so that I can keep, keep rotating through. There's a ballroom, so I would have to reenact Beauty and the Beast every other Friday. That would <laughs> be on the calendar. Have a big ball. Uh, Five-bedroom guest house designed by a well-known architect. So you don't even have to, Even though you have 18 bedrooms... You'll, you could stay in the uh, guest house. You don't need to come on in. The mansion has panoramic views over the city and the Pacific Ocean, 75-foot pool with spacious pool house, tennis court, a car gallery for 40 vehicles, or all your Christmas decorations if your garage looks like mine, a $12,000 bottle rather wine cellar, and manicure gardens with a spectacular fountain. That's quite a deal. Not bad. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Brian Noonan for Jeff Wagner. Jeff will be back on Thursday. Have you ever had a New Year's resolution that stuck? 855-616-1620. It is New Year's Eve. And tomorrow is, when you see someone tomorrow, you will say, please, Happy New Year. Not Happy New Year's. That's, I, I know it's a pet peeve. You're wrong if you say if you say Happy New Year's, I judge you and I wish you uh, the opposite. I wish you an agonizing New Year, uh, filled with all sorts of grammatical mistakes and people correcting you because nothing is more annoying than having your grammar corrected. I know I'm doing that now, but uh, <laughs> but I wish you a year of that. I wish, if you say Happy New Year's, or say I hope you're having a nice New Year's Day, that's correct. But it's a new year, not possessive. It's like when people make their names plural and add an apostrophe. Drives me crazy. I have a, I have a, a proof of that on the wall. We had a, a thing done, like a Christmas glass painting at a craft fair once. And instead of just having Noonan's, it has Noonan with an apostrophe S. So what am I possessing there? What, what do I own? I... I I don't know. Anyway, so have you had a New Year's resolution that works? Because as you know, today people are plotting them out. They're writing them down. And tomorrow they're going to wake up with so many good intentions. And we know what road is paved with those good intentions. Because tomorrow, if you're, if you're a member of a gym, 
for the next couple of weeks, you're going to see an influx of people. And by mid-February, that influx will wane. And by April, you probably won't see any of the new people at the gym anymore. Um, maybe you're going to try to quit smoking, and you make it till Saturday, and that's good. Uh, then you go out next weekend, maybe you're at a party or you're at a bar, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, man, I, all right, I'll just have one. That won't be too bad. Or maybe you're trying to lose weight. And that's you know these are the these are the ones that everybody talks about most. We're gonna I'm gonna be uh, lose weight. I'm gonna exercise more. I'm gonna do this and that. And those are all great resolutions. But I'm wondering how many people have done it. I don't I don't like to make New Year's resolutions because it one it just seems that because everybody is doing it, you feel the pressure to come up with one. And then if you if things fail. You feel bad about yourself. You know, I know Darrell was talking about highlights of the last decade. And one of the highlights of the last decade for me was I had lost 160 pounds. You know, that's frightening to think of. But I did. Now, some has come back. So I am, but I didn't make that as a New Year's resolution. I started that in July. So, you know. Your resolution doesn't have to come at the beginning of the year. If you don't feel the pressure, if you don't have one yet, to go, i got to come up with one by tomorrow. It can happen any time. But I saw something, and this is something I heard about a little last year, and I'm hearing about it more this year, which makes a lot more sense to me than these huge blanket resolutions. And those are called micro-resolutions. Basically what it is, is every month, you're going to make a new resolution. And instead of making it about denying yourself something, it's going to be about making your life better or adding something to your life. So now you could, you could decide to deny yourself something for a month, and we're going to talk about that uh, after 1 o'clock because tomorrow starts dry January for a lot of people. So you could do that, or you could just start to say, hmm, I'm going, I'm going to try to do something different. Now, I've got some suggestions. This is uh, These are some suggestions that the people who came up with this micro-resolution thing uh, decided to do. In January, they committed to notice something new. So all month, every day, you're going to notice something new. You're going to just take, a t- take your time and... Observe what's going on around you. Read some history markers. Notice buildings on your walk or your drive to work. Uh, Take a different route to work and notice something new. So you're going to be more aware of your surroundings. You're going to find things that you've passed hundreds of times and never noticed. It's just a good way to get in touch with your surroundings. February, this person recommended poetry. I am not a poetry person. Uh, according to the National Endowment for the Arts, only 11.7% of adults read read any poetry in 2017. 6.7% uh, it, it grew. 6.7% in 2012. I am. Uh, I've never really cared much for poetry, but see, this is a perfect uh, micro resolution for me. Maybe I become one of the 11.7% that read poetry. Are you? Do you like poetry, Kyle? 
Nah, he likes limericks, naughty limericks. You should hear him when we're in the breaks. Uh, when Tony's doing news, my ears are filled with horrible limericks from Kyle, but that's a, that's a different thing. Have you decided to try? Uh, to try? How about Happy News Year? Oh, somebody, uh, yes, since 2020 will certainly be one of the most newsworthy years in Milwaukee's recent history. I like that. Happy News Year. We'll do that. Um, no. Well, 414-828. See you later. <laughs> Bye-bye. Um, March, they said their micro-resolution was sleep. Sleep is tied to many positive health outcomes, according to a constant stream of medical research. Uh, they set a goal to sleep eight hours each each night. How many of us do that? Probably not too many. I knew I do not. Uh, I don't sleep eight hours each night. I'm betting most of us do not. Uh, that that resolution the authors gave up on halfway through the month because they realized there's absolutely no way we could do it, or they could do it rather, and they switched to active listening. Uh, active listening instead of just pretending you're listening, looking at someone and waiting to say something. You're actively listening to what they have to say. You're invested in what they are talking about. April was nature, getting out in nature, exposing yourself to nature, appreciating nature. That was a micro-resolution. May, they did meditation. June, they went back to active listening because they had only done a a half a month of it back in uh, March, so they did it again in June. July, they did a lot of fresh fruit and water. That was the micro-resolution for there. Movement in August. Writing in September. October, their resolution was to read a novel. November was gratitude, and then they went to December, and it was eat whole foods. So maybe this year, instead of worrying so much about a big resolution that will probably fail, try a micro-resolution, something small, 30 days. Most of us can do just about anything for 30 days. So try that. All right, we will talk about some Traditional foods for the new year? Are Do you have a dish that you have to eat because you think this is the one that's going to bring us good luck? There's a lot of traditional foods. We'll talk a little bit about that. On the other side, it's New Year's Eve on WTMJ. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Jeff will be back on Thursday. Brian Noonan until 3. It's New Year's Eve. A lot of people have specific things that they have to eat on New Year's Eve or New Year's Day to help bring them luck in the upcoming year. Do you have one of these traditions? I would love to hear about it. 855-616-1620 on the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Um, if you're looking for health, wealth, and prosperity in 2020, a lot of times it's just what's on your table. Here are some of the uh, the some of the traditional things. Do you have anything specific that you uh, have to eat or drink on New Year's Eve or New Year's Day, Kyle? Other than the uh, beer and what'd you say? Oh, wine. You're gonna have some wine tonight. Uh, uh, Miller High Life. That's Miller High it. Life. The yeah. champagne of beers. Yeah, sure. I, I love it in the bottle uh, when they sell it. Uh, every like right around this season, they sell it in the big. The champagne. champagne yeah, the champagne bottle. That, there's nothing better than bringing that to a party. People love you. <laughs> So is that what you're going to be imbibing uh, later this evening? Yeah, either that, they, that, that, or something that's easy that won't that won't kill me. You know? Wow. So that's that's kind of a low bar, isn't it? <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> I guess I just want to eat or drink something that's not going to kill me. That's a, uh, listen. 
If you have to make a choice, that's a good choice. Uh, one thing that people like to eat that supposedly brings them luck are greens. Uh, the color green symbolizes luck. So Brussels sprouts, green beans, snap peas, spinach, and kale. Uh, you could do, you know, we, we all know how to eat those vegetables. So green, anything green is going to bring you luck. Pomegranates. I had not heard of this one before. I had heard of the greens before. But uh, they're eaten in Turkey and other Mediterranean countries for good luck because they are a sign of abundance and fertility. Uh, when the New Year arrives the, arrives, the fruit is smashed on the floor, and the more seeds that are inside, the more luck you will have. Maybe I'll do that tonight. See what my wife says when I start smashing pomegranates all over the floor. Probably my last New Year's at the, at the house, then. That'll be nice. Uh, citrus fruits. Oranges and tangerines. Lot to love about citrus fruits. Not only do their gold and orange colors symbolize prosperity, but the Chinese are known to give these as gifts to bring luck and happiness throughout the year. So maybe you bring a bag of oranges with your uh, champagne of beers. Give people some good luck. They'll go, why are you bringing us citrus fruits? Because I don't want you to get scurvy. Fish. We're going to, well... We're going to have sushi tonight, so I guess that's fish. I guess that's uh, kind of... I'll use that. The Chinese word for abundance is pronounced the same as the word for fish. Uh, it's now surprised that fish, any way you serve it, is seen as a symbol of good luck. So some countries see eating this food as a symbol of moving forward because fish swim in one direction. So there you go. I'll use that one tonight. And noodles. In Asian countries, eating noodles on New Year's Eve signifies... A long life. But there is a caveat. Don't break the noodles while you're cooking them or eating them because that means bad luck, uh, like you're cutting your life short. So do not do that. I know in the South, there's a lot of people who eat black-eyed peas or make uh, Hoppin' John, which is a, uh, a dish that came from the Caribbean. It's pork-flavored peas or black-eyed peas. Uh, those symbolize corn. So if you eat a lot of black-eyed peas or, or Hoppa John on New Year's Eve or New Year's Day, that means money is coming your way. God, i gotta go. I got to stop on the way home and get some black-eyed peas. I need a little more dough coming my way. Uh, it's often served with collard greens because they're the color of money and cornbread, which is the color of gold. So you get a lot of, uh, a lot of money type of superstition there. The 12 grapes. Have you heard this tradition? eating 12 grapes on New Year's Eve, or at the stroke of midnight. So what you're supposed to do is, it started in Spain, and many Spanish countries people do this, As the at the stroke of midnight, you are supposed to eat one grape for every toll on the clock. So by the time the clock is done striking 12, you should have devoured 12 grapes. Hmm, I don't know. Uh, some people prep the grapes, it's supposed to bring good luck. I don't uh, I don't know if I could drink eat 12 grapes in that short a time. Tamales are a big one in Mexico. Uh, people eat the tamales. It brings the families together and uh, they give them uh, they give them out to friends as good luck. This was uh, something I could not pronounce. It's from the Netherlands. It's uh, basically a donut kind of thing. It's an oil ball. so it's I think it's Oleballen. Uh, they're sold in street carts, traditionally consumed on New Year's Eve and at special celebratory fairs. They're dumplings uh, dropped into uh, hot. They're filled with raisins and currants. They're deep fried and then dusted with powdered sugar. Uh, Austria and Germany, they drink a red wine punch with cinnamon and spices. They eat suckling pig for dinner and uh, decorate the table with little pigs made of marzipan. 
And these are good luck pigs. They're made of all sorts of things, and they are gifts throughout Austria and Germany. And again, the noodles from Japan. So those are just some of the things. Now, I know a lot of people also, if you are of uh, Polish or Scandinavian descent, pickled herring is a big thing. Because herring is in abundance in Poland and parts of Scandinavia, and because of their silver coloring, many in those nations eat pickled herring at the stroke of midnight to bring a year of prosperity and bounty. I wonder how many of you have a jar of pickled herring. I've seen. I've never had pickled herring. I don't. It just. I know. Uh, please, if you enjoy it, and I offend you with this, it just looks gross to me. <laughs> Right? It's a jar of, I don't know, fish out of a jar just seems, I'm sure people make it at home and it's lovely. But there's there's just some things, you know, some things that you see and you're just like, I could never really, uh, I could never really eat that. I just, uh, no, not going to work. So there you go. Some uh, foods that will bring you traditionally, hopefully, good luck. All right, let's do this. And then there's a little more entertainment news. Big shakeup. In country music for the CMA Awards, we'll talk about that. And then after the top of the hour, dry January. What can you do? How can you survive it? And have you done it? 855-616-1620. It's all happening on WTMJ. Have you ever given your kid a Christmas gift and then uh, immediately seen the error of your ways? Whether they took it and did something horrible with it, or it broke right away, or they just they just couldn't handle it. Uh, I love this story coming out of Texas. Maybe you saw it. A family in Texas found themselves doing damage control after their 12-year-old son accidentally set their lawn on fire with a magnifying glass. Yes, but the parents gave the kid a magnifying glass for a Christmas gift, which, I don't know, they said they thought he would use it for reading. So I don't know, maybe the, the young man has some, uh, some eye problems, but he got a magnifying glass. Now, we all know, uh, back in the day, you used to take magnifying glasses out and you would try to, I don't know, burn ants if you were a sociopath, or you could see, direct the sun, set things on fire. Well, that's what he decided to do, this 12-year-old uh, named Caden. He, went, uh, he wanted the magnifying glass, so he got it from Santa. He goes outside, and he and his two brothers went out in the driveway to, quote, burn a couple of holes in some newspaper, end quote. Now, that's right there. If your kid tells you that's what he's going to do, maybe uh, pump the brakes a little bit. Go, hey, you know what, Caden? It's Christmas morning. How about we don't practice arson? That might be fun. Why don't we just stay inside and do some things like that? But no, um, he wanted to see if he could light a fire, so out he goes with his brother, and they take the newspaper out, and they start burning little holes in it. The problem, again, is Mother Nature doesn't always cooperate. So the wind whipped up, and it started blowing the embers into the dried grass on their front lawn, which immediately caught fire and started melting the Christmas decorations. So the kids come running in, as kids are wont to do. They're all panicked. And they, according to the mom, quote, everything was under control until the boys came running into the house telling us that a corner of the lawn was on fire and the Christmas lights were melting. Uh, she said then, uh, they, you know, she and her husband run outside, they get the hose, they're started. A huge chunk of their lawn got burned. We grabbed buckets, uh, Justin turned the sprinklers on, and I grabbed buckets to smother and trap it before it could spread any more to the neighbor's yard. Uh, what a sight to see a bunch of people running around crazy trying to put out a front lawn fire uh, while wearing their Christmas pajamas. And yeah, they did lose a couple, uh, did lose a couple decorations. 
So there you go. Uh, they weren't surprised that Caden asked for a magnifying glass for Christmas because he's an avid reader, very curious, and interested in science. Uh, he also got books, a piano keyboard, and a robot building model kit. We don't know if he set any of those on fire or used the model kit to uh, build a robot that will someday take over the neighborhood. Next-door neighbor's garage got a little burned. Kids panic. That's why you can't, you can't leave them alone. When I was younger, one of my brother, I think it was brother number three, set a blanket on fire in the basement. Like we had a split-level house growing up, so the family room was down a couple of steps. And I happened to be walking out, and I looked down, and he ran past me. I looked down the stairs, and I thought the sun was like reflecting off this blanket downstairs until I realized that the blanket was actually on fire. If I hadn't seen it, he didn't. He wouldn't have told anybody. He went running out of the house. So you gotta ugh, just be careful. Just be be careful with your kids because they're they're nuts. They're nuts. All right. On the other side of the news, we are going to talk about dry January. I want to know if you've done it before. If you have, were you successful? And we'll give you some tips that maybe will help if you've decided to do dry January. So we'll get to all of that after the news, which is coming your way next on WTMJ. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, here's your host, Brian Noonan. 855-616-1620 is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Tomorrow is January 1st, and a lot of people are going to start swearing things off. Now, you heard in Tony's news report, uh, one of the experts saying if you're trying to diet and lose weight, it's best to not try to exclude one particular food group because that's what you want the most once you are forbidden. However, a lot of people will embark on what has come to be known as dry January, where you give up all alcohol for 30 days. Now, I'm wondering if you've tried this before, and if you have, have you had success? Because for a lot of us, it, it started, here's the, here's the history of it. It started in the UK. Um, it started gaining popularity in around 2013, and it was mostly because you know people in the UK were saying that they had drank so much over the last month with holiday parties and Christmas and New Year's Eve and all that, that it was just kind of giving their liver a chance to regenerate. So it, it started out there. And then it kind of took hold here in the U.S. as well, where people started to do dry January. And it makes sense. You know, it's a good way to it's a good way to just calibrate how things are going. But it's not it's not just for people who think they have a problem with drinking. It can be for anyone. So I decided last year I was going to do this and I was going to do it in an attempt to jumpstart some weight loss. Because, you know, if you depends on what you drink, I like to drink beer. And we all know that uh, good beer is full of calories and carbs and all that, uh, all the stuff that make it good. And so if you're drinking beer and you're not really, uh, because it's wintertime, maybe you're not going to the gym as much, which I had not been last year, uh, it was time to, it was time to try. Plus, it was also a, a test. I wanted to see just if I could do it. You know, now, I don't drink every day. You know, I might have a few beers on the weekend, but still, I'll tell you, I enjoy them and I look forward to them. So for me, like I said, it was a test to see if I could do it. And I will say that I was able to do it. 
Uh, I made it through dry January last year, and there were a couple times it was tough because I was in some uh, social situations or different things where there was a uh, you know there were beers around, there were different drinks, and I was tempted. Uh, a couple times you're eating certain foods. And you know, oh, a glass of wine would be great with this, or a beer goes great when I'm having this to eat. So there's adjustments to be made, but I made it. And I'm going to try it again. So you can imagine, tonight I'm, I've already tried to decide what beer I'm going to have tonight, because I know it will be my last beer for a month. Uh, and I'm going to try to do it again. And it's, you know, I can't imagine... Some people do it because they have to. This is when this is when they decide they're going to make a huge life change and they're going to stop drinking forever. So that is that I can't imagine how difficult that is. I know that's more difficult than than setting an arbitrary deadline of thirty days, because like I said before, with the micro resolution thing, most of us can do thirty days of something. But. There's some hints, and I was reading this in the uh, Journal Sentinel, and they talked to a doctor, uh, an associate professor of medicine and public health at Johns Hopkins, and gave some tips for dry January. So if you're going to do it, why not get a little advice? You know, a little advice from the experts. So the first piece of advice from them is to create a structured plan to avoid alcohol, which I think sometimes is easier said than done. Uh, But they say some people do need a plan. Uh, A lot of people who experience a substance abuse disorder use this technique when they do a sober sampling. So while, pardon me, while you may not have a problem, you can use some of the same steps. You want to walk in and you're going to say, I want to stop drinking beer. Uh, what are you going to replace it with? How are you going to fill the time? So, all right, maybe you, maybe on the weekend you're, your M.O. is to go to the local bar, you sit with your friends, you talk, you have a couple beers, then you go home. All right, well, can I still do that? Can I go into the bar and have, you know, a pop or just water or something, or maybe a non-alcohol beer? Can I do that? All right, if you can, then that's great. You go and you can keep your, your same routine. If not, you got to find something else to do. And they say that that social plan should not include avoiding places. So you shouldn't say, I can't go to a bar for a month. Because that's going to drive you crazy if that's what you do. If you start to isolate yourself, it's going to make things even harder. So do not do that. Uh, Have a plan to drink before you go out of what you're going to drink instead of the alcohol. See, this is is making it very difficult. But I know everybody approaches things differently. Some people need these uh, big structured plans. Uh, There is support. You know, there's social networks to support this. you could get through dry January if somebody else in your life is aware of your plan. So I've already told my wife, listen, I'm doing dry January. Uh, I told her that last year, too. And she was like, okay, fine. I think she may try it this year. The problem is I drive her to drink. So she has a lot more you know, issues just uh, having to deal with me. So she might crack, but I don't know. But, yes, anything you do, anything you are trying to, uh, any lifestyle change you're trying to make, we know that it's better if you have somebody backing you up. So you want to have some rules. uh, And they also say, in the end, do not worry if you slip up. Because that's where people have big downfalls. If they make one slip, then all of a sudden they chuck the whole thing and just say, forget about it. 
now I've ruined it. I can't do it. I made it through 18 days of January, and then I was at a dinner party, and I had a glass of wine, and that screwed everything up, and now I'm done. Well, that's not true. Just like if you're on a diet, and one day you decide to have a cookie, all right, so you had a cookie. Eh, that's all right. Don't have a cookie tomorrow. Or stop at one cookie instead of a whole sleeve of cookies. It's not the end of the world. You can still keep going. So here's the thing. You've decided to do dry January. This is a question that I want to ask anybody who doesn't drink, whether it's voluntarily in dry January, whether you can't uh, drink anymore for whatever reason. Do you find that people in social situations treat you differently? And why do you think that is? So all of a sudden, you know, people are used to seeing you with a cocktail, and now you can't. Do friends treat you different? Do families treat you different? Have you experienced this non-alcohol ostracization? Boy, that word didn't, that stumbled out very clumsily. You know what I mean. People keeping their distance because you ain't drinking. We'll talk about it after this. 855-616-1620 on the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line is WTMJ. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Talking about dry January. If you've done it, has it worked for you? I know I said that it did work for me last year. I actually lost 20 pounds. That goes to show that I was drinking quite a bit of beer. I actually started moving and stuff, too. And it's funny, when you when you curb one habit, all other habits kind of fall into place. Like, all of a sudden, I wasn't drinking, so I was eating a little better, and I was exercising more, and that whole thing was fine, and then I went to Mardi Gras, and it all went to hell. But it does work. But what I noticed, and I'm wondering if you've noticed this, too, is... Whether you have had to quit drinking for any number of reasons, or you're choosing not to drink for a little bit, the people around you who know you at first will treat you a little bit differently because they're used to seeing you drink. And unless you know, unless you had some sort of uh, some sort of incident and you're an alcoholic and you needed, you know, you you had to quit. Most most people who you know are not going to say anything about that. But if you, if people just see you out and you're not having a drink, have they treated you differently? I know it freaked it freaked a lot of people out that I wasn't drinking, and until you know, till I explained what I was doing, because a lot of times people will just assume that you're not drinking because there's a problem, and they're like, "Oh, is everything okay? Did you?" What you just you just realized you had a problem? No. Why? <laughs> what did you think? No, I don't have a problem. From the nine two zero, yes, family treats me different because I don't drink anymore. I notice it right away. I've seen that happen before, and I've seen friends of mine who have friends and family members who have had to quit drinking. There's no two ways about it. They made the they made a decision to save their lives, and I commend them for it. But I have seen people react to them differently, especially uh, single friends of mine. Who, when you're out, you know, a lot of, a lot of the ways we meet people are in bars or social situations. And I know you can meet people in, you know, at church or in other social groups, but, you know, a lot of times you're out at a bar, you try to meet somebody. Well, it always becomes a thing when people are in a bar and they're not drinking or somebody offers you a drink and then they kind of, 
look at you differently. Me, I just go, no, yeah, you know, I'm just doing dry January. And once some people say dry, once you tell somebody you're doing dry January, then they get a lot of questions. Oh, why? I don't know. Just, you know, I wanted to see if I could do it. That's the best answer. I want to see if I could do it. Because then people are, aren't, they're not going to delve into your personal life. They're not going to assume that you have some sort of problem. They're just going to go, oh, well, isn't that nice for you? You're just, uh, just going to see if you can do it. Um, from the 262, when you stop drinking, you get invited out a whole lot less. Really? That's sad. I, I, I'm sorry for you, 262, if that's, if that's what really happens. That makes me, uh, one, I want to lash out at your, uh, your friends because, wait a minute, you're not friend, you're only friends with me because I drink? And I know we, you know, I'm sure we all have had in the past, we've all had friends like that, like drinking buddies. And, you know, drinking buddies are not the people that you share your closest uh, secrets with. They're not the ones you're going to call if uh, you have a medical emergency. They might not come to your parents' uh, wake. You know, they're just drinking buddies. You see them at the tavern. They're like, oh, hey, Joe, what's going on? And you talk about the Packers, and you have a couple of pops, and then you go out, and they're, you know, maybe next time you're there, they're there. Maybe they're not. It's okay. But if you have people in your life that are going to treat you that much differently just because you're not drinking, uh, it's time to it's time to make a change on that level, too. And I'm not trying to tell you what to do, 262, but that's very, uh, that's very sad and telling. I know that, you know, to me, that would make more sense, not more sense, but it would seem more widespread if you were younger, you know, like if you're in college or something or just after college. And again, it's it's more of a drinking mentality that people have when they're all together and they're just, you know, that that's what you do. And so if somebody's not doing it, you're like, well, you know, maybe and maybe they're not inviting you because they don't want to make you feel uncomfortable. So it's also a good idea to just go, hey, you know, I notice you guys aren't asking me to, to do stuff anymore. And maybe they'll just come out and say, oh, well, we were just going to go here. We didn't, with you not drinking, maybe we figured you wouldn't want to go. And you can tell them, no, I'm okay with doing that. I know friends of mine and other people that I know that don't drink, they still, you know, they still go to places where there's alcohol. Maybe they didn't write it first uh, because it does still, you know, have a little pull on you. But... Maybe bring it up to him, because that seems sad. 855-616-1620 is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. More after this, WTMJ. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 855-616-1620 is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We're talking about dry January. And if people treat you different when you're no longer drinking, Ted is in uh, Bensonville. Hi, Ted. Hey, Brian, how you doing? I'm doing well, thanks. Good. It's great to hear you on the air. You know I'm, you know where Bensonville is. I'm I do. down here, and I'm a big fan of yours, big fan of yours, and it's great to hear you on the air. And I guess uh, I guess the only thing I was saying to the screener is, uh, you know, just be careful that professionals, you know, medical evaluation professionals, that they consider that uh, – a self-admission that you have a problem when you try to quit on your own. You know, like you're, you, you, you're feeling that you have the need to have a dry month 
is like you're saying, wow, you know, I better cool it. You know, I really, I really hit the sauce hard, and I better take <laughs> some time off. I guess if you, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to admit that in, a, you know, a medical thing, um, you know, I think it's just, uh, I think, well, I. Anybody can interpret it however they want, and you can also choose to uh, to tell people about it or not. If it's not if it's not an issue, then I don't feel the need to disclose it, other than here because just trying to start a conversation. That's a good point. <laughs> but you know, for me, it's yeah. just for me, it's just actually a, a weight loss jump start because then it uh, you know less carbs, yeah, less absolutely. calories from the beers. I have not uh, had a drink other than non-alcoholic beers. I do enjoy every once in a while for many years and i will tell you that that's the first positive side effect i experienced is it's a lot easier to put keep weight off let's put it that way yes, right because number one you're not coming home late at night soft and ready to, to munch out right right I mean, exactly on, that's number one well and, even and, and just the weight the weight from the booze itself right yeah, too. So exactly well ted have a happy new year thank you for the call i appreciate it take care yeah, and I'm not talking about getting getting sauced when you're drinking. You could have two beers with dinner, but it's just the extra calories, extra carbs, you know. So that's uh, I don't. Know. I didn't. I've never run across a. Uh, I haven't been asked on any medical forms or any tests if I've ever tried to quit. You know, they'll get. Uh, I always get the, do you smoke? Do you drink? Those kind of questions. And I always, you know, no, I don't smoke. Uh, I drink occasionally. But I've never. Have you ever been asked if you've tried to quit before? But isn't isn't the context different? Like if you're actually qu- meaning to quit drinking right. because yes. it's a bad habit. Right. Or, I'm not trying to a, quit drinking. I'm just trying to put it off for a month. Right. I'm going. Yeah. I fully intend on going back to drinking. <laughs> like if you say yes, I did, but for a month as a dry January thing, that that it's a whole different meaning and right. context. Yes. If I say I tried to quit drinking and I couldn't. That that's a lot different than yeah. I stopped for thirty days and then you know on February first I had myself a martini uh, from the nine four one because of a family history I made the choice at a young age not to drink. To me, it's been a small lifestyle choice that didn't define me. I have generally interacted with friends easily, and since they like and respect me, they have barely noticed my choice. If anything, I have been a cordial influence of moderation on them. It just works. Yeah, I th- that's very commendable. And a lot of people, a lot of people don't drink for a lot of reasons. And I, you know, I've got people in my life who do drink, and people in my life who don't drink, and it really doesn't matter. You know, it makes the restaurant bill a lot cheaper when you go out. That's uh, that's basically it. On the other side, some of us uh, are going to drink tonight. Some of you may drink a little too much. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about hangovers. And then we've got Florida news all in the next half hour on 620 WTMJ. But now we go to the WTMJ Breaking News Center. Tony Bedock. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. When did you reach the age where just the thought of a hangover was enough to keep you from having that next drink? I think when we're young, we all do, you know, make poor choices. We've all had those days where the neck, you know, the thought of getting off the couch or getting out of bed was just too much. The sound of even the clock ticking, which back in the day, clocks used to tick, Kyle. Or you could hear them from all over. Uh, that little ticking was enough to drive you insane. We've all had them. Uh, the biology behind a hangover is easy, but I'm wondering what you do if tomorrow someone you know is hungover, 
or you, um, what's your go-to cure? We've got. I'm going to share some uh, thoughts about what people do all over the world to get out of a hangover. But I'm wondering uh, if you were going to tell somebody, "Hey, tomorrow's going to be rough. Here's what you should do. Give some. Give. Let's give the young kids advice because that's what they need. I know. Uh, thankfully, my daughter is not a a, a big drinker. Occasionally, she'll have you know like a tropical drink or something. But she's going out with a friend tonight, and I don't worry too much. I don't worry about that. Um, but, you know, I would, give, I would give some advice. So share yours, 855-616-1620. So you know that uh, your body is just working overtime to break down all the alcohol that you consume. That's why you have a hangover. Uh, your kidneys are trying to clear it out. Uh, your body's inflammatory and metabolic reactions are going to lay you low with a hangover because you've been uh, drinking, drinking, drinking. The amount, of course, varies from person to person. Uh, and also your your recovery time changes. Back when I was your age, Kyle, I could, man, I'd bounce up nothing. After a big night, I was fine. Now... Thankfully, it's been a number of years, but the last time I had a hangover, I was like, oh, my God, I, <laughs> I, can't, I can't do this anymore. Every part of my body hurt. My head felt like it was, weighed 1,000 pounds, and that was it. Um, so your blood alcohol level rises as you drink, obviously, duh. Your body labors to break down the alcohol, uh, forming damaging oxygen-free radicals and acetylhyde. It's a harmful compound. The longer the ethanol and acetylide stick around, the more damage you can do to your cellular membranes. So uh, depending on how much you've consumed, you're likely to experience a hangover as the level of ethanol in your body slowly returns to zero. When you put it that way, it's like, why do we even bother drinking? That's, you know, the damage we're doing to our body. And I think it's, you know, there's some people who have one, two drinks and they can be hungover. So it's good, you know, your body weight... All of that, uh, your tolerance. If you've eaten, you're gonna have a big. Uh, you're gonna have some dinner before you go to your big party tonight. You gonna lay down a nice base? Uh, a little bit. I have a bread sandwich or something. You know, uh, put put something down there. Um, most hangovers do not happen in isolation uh, because we're out drinking. So all the people that you're drinking with are going to probably have hangovers too. Uh, each society has different rules regarding alcohol use. Uh, and that's how we view it. In the United States, drinking alcohol is largely embraced by mainstream culture. And unfortunately, that does sometimes promote excessive drinking. So your body's reaction is going to uh, end up enhancing not only you, you physically, but you mentally. It's going to mess with your mood. Your body's attempting to repair itself, so nothing's going to do it. Now, there's um, despite all these remedies that we hear about, despite all the advice that you will get there's really no cure for a hangover energy drinks herbal tea uh foods caffeine none of that is really going to do it it's just going to be time we're getting some uh texts in with some advice to the young drinkers because tonight is amateur night everybody feels like they must go out and celebrate thankfully you get to a certain age and you realize you do not have to celebrate that much sitting in your living room watching a movie and maybe making it till the ball drops at 11 Eastern, which is, you know, I'll call that close enough. That's fine. But there's people out. Uh, in the 262 heaven, Milwaukee's best light. It always cures a hangover. How many times have we heard that hair of the dog theory? Oh, you hung over? Just have another drink. 
No, dude, that's just adding insult to injury. It's like your body is already like, no, no more alcohol. You know what it needs? More alcohol. Um, from the 414, in all caps, water, dummies. And echoed by the 920, glass of water in between drinks and you'll be fine. Yes, that's I, I, I do believe that will lessen things. Plus, it's going to fill you up. If you're drinking, a, uh, if you have a drink, then you have a glass of water, all that water is going to fill you up. So at some point, you're just going to be like, eh. I don't want another drink. I'm too full. Now I got to find somewhere to eat late at night. That's another. That's another good reason not to drink because you don't. You don't uh, all of a sudden get the munchies at midnight. And go. Oh, yeah. You know what? Two whoppers for six dollars. That's a good life choice. Really? No, it's not. Yes, it is. It's a perfect life choice because I have seven dollars. That means I'm going to have a dollar left for tomorrow. So I'm not going to wake up on New Year's Day broke. I'm going to wake up on New Year's Day hungover and bloated. From my two whoppers. Uh, 855-616-1620. Talking about hangovers and what you do and what advice you would give to somebody who is going out tonight. uh, To the the rookies. You know, you've been doing this a while. Let's share some advice. Uh, If you were traveling around the world and you were trying to get rid of your hangover, perhaps you were in an exotic locale and you woke up on New Year's Day, what would you do? Well, in Paris, you would get a Bloody Mary. But because Paris is where they invented the Bloody Mary in 1921. Uh, It was at the Harry's New York Bar in Paris in 1921 where the first Bloody Mary was claimed claimed to be invented. And now I wonder how those people would uh, react to some of the Bloody Marys that you see nowadays that have a whole fried chicken on top of them. And I saw one the other day. uh, Oh, it was a red, I think it was red lobster. It had a lobster claw and a cheddar biscuit in their Bloody Mary. Can't we just go back to? Can't we just go back? If you're gonna have a bloody berry, just put maybe some celery. Um, my buddy, who's from, uh, likes to use a lot of clamato. He's from the UP, so he likes clamato in his bloody berry. You're nodding. Is that a thing that you like uh, too, Kyle? No, I've, I know that's a common thing that people do. Yeah, I've. Uh, I like a bloody berry. The clamato uh, was not my was not my thing. Uh, a quick trip, big buddy, Mountain Dew, and a big gut bomb donut. From the nine two zero, that's how they get the. That's how they get over their hangover. For me, it used to be back when I was in college. It used to be uh, a lot of Pepsi, and then something greasy, whether it was a pizza or a burger or something like that. Uh, that was a, really that was all I could lift my head for, uh, <laughs> and that was usually not till late at night. If you were in London on New Year's Day and you were a little, you know, had a few too many pints at the pub. You would have melted cheese, which is basically a grilled cheese, uh, lightly toasted on both sides, slathered with butter and spicy mustard, and a lot of cheese. That's what they. Uh, that's what they do. Grilled grilled cheese is nice anytime, but in London they do that for to get rid of their hangovers. In Berlin, a currywurst. They love it to get rid of their hangovers. A fried pork sausage sliced into bite-sized chunks, then doused in spicy curried ketchup before being dusted with curry powder. Yeah, a lot of people do this, the overly spicy, to get rid of their hangover. From the 262, I can't drink tonight just in case I have to cover a flight, and that's okay with me. Yeah, the pressure the pressure to go out and do stuff on New Year's Eve, I just don't feel it anymore. You know, I, I did, though, I, I felt a little bad for my uh, for my wife, so I texted her this morning. I said, listen, if you want to change plans... 
because we were just going to, like I said before, get some sushi, stay at home, watch a movie. She was like, no, I have no desire to go out. But these people are paying so much. You know, you go to some of these uh, big parties at these ballrooms or at the bars, and you're paying all this money, and you're in there with like 500 people that you don't know. It just seems... And then... Then it's like, I have to have a good time. I have to have a good time. Oh, I'm not having a good time. I wasted all... What, what's wrong with me? Why aren't I having a good time? So it's... I don't know. It's just... It's another night. Amateur night. That's all. If you're going... Oh, if you're in... Uh, if you were in Sydney... Now, they've already celebrated New Year's Day. Thank goodness. Uh, hopefully, a lot of the people did not have to uh, deal with the fires. Did you see that footage? People running down to the ocean just to get away from the fires. Standing on the beach. Horrifying. And then they... they the mayor there, though, decided that they were still going to do the fireworks. You know, you always see the big fireworks over Sydney Harbor that uh, they were they thought about canceling them because it's so dry and they've been having all these wildfires. But they did uh, they did do the uh, the fireworks anyway. They have smashed avocado toast. That's what they do because they're very trendy. I don't know if they started it, if they started the avocado toast thing, which to me is the dumbest brunch item ever. And people are paying an inordinate amount of money for uh, avocado toast. You look like you want to look like you have I, a comment on avocado toast. I, I feel like no food is is going to be a proper solution to fix a hangover. Nothing, because anything that everything that you've listed is either like very carbs or starch, right? And that's and that just makes you even more slow. I know, but it's going to soak stuff up. That's the theory behind it, and the spice is going to get things moving. So, as, as someone who comes from a family that. Drinks a lot, and for no reason at all. Uh, <laughs> uh, Listen, who needs a reason? <laughs> there's this thing called Pedialyte. It's oh, like, it's get like, some electrolytes it's like, in Yeah, you. it's like this baby formula, yeah. and they advertise to college students and parents alike, being like, this is for your babies, and this is for the people that party. Uh, yeah. And, and I have cousins that live and die by this product do they, do, do they claim that it works oh man they'll 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 establish a good buzz and they'll like chug like the half quart thing just like all in like an hour and then that that is supposed to make it a little easier later on really well and that, and my mom goes the classic route where she's like uh, once we go all get a good buzz going she's slicing up cucumbers because cucumbers oh uh what the, the the i don't know the chemicals in it Help. Okay. I've been told help, uh, and then bananas as well. The potassium and bananas. Is that right? Well, the potassium would make sense if the Pedialyte works because yep. it's all those kind of electrolytes and things. Um, yeah. So when we're really getting serious, wow. you'll find bananas all over the place. So if I were ever come to one of your family gatherings and I see a case of Pedialyte in the corner, I know it's going to be a long night. Lisa brings Fix. out the knife to cut oh. out the cucumber. You're like, be careful with that. Be oh, careful. It's, things are going to get off the chain at Kyle's house. All right, so Pedialyte, we're, uh, in, it's Shanghai. We would have pork or chicken and dumplings and fried eggs. Uh, my recommendation for New Year's Eve from the 608, don't go out. There's too many amateurs out. Make a quiet little Tuesday in May your New Year's Eve. Sure, you could alternate all the time. Um, from the 414, box of macaroni the next day. See, Kyle going uh, again with the carbs. All right. Be, here's the, I'm not going to tell you what to do. Just be careful. Uh, make good choices. I feel like I'm everybody's dad today. Make some good choices. And if you make bad choices, you know, stop at Walgreens before you go out and get some Pedialyte. Just so, you, so you're ready to roll tomorrow. Some Pedialyte, bananas, and cucumbers.
then your only trouble is going to be digestive, and that you'll deal with that the next day. You deal with that on uh, the second of of January. All right, let's do this. Then we are going to uh, we're going to do something I haven't done at WTMJ before. We're going to do some Florida news. It's the end of the year, and we'll uh, do that after this. WTMJ. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Couple more people texting in about uh, the hangover advice. Mark from Bristol says, as a touring musician, I consider myself to be a pro in this department. The ultimate hangover cure, two Excedrin extra strengths and a bottle of high drive. Is high drive like an energy drink? <laughs> it's motor oil. A uh, half hour later, you'll feel like a champion. Then I got a text uh, from a friend of mine saying, Korean food. Uh, bibimbap with hot sauce. There's a lot of new ideas here. I don't know. Uh, beautiful text of a Bloody Mary with a whole pig in it, too. Too much. We got, we got to draw the line at some of this Bloody Mary nonsense. It's it's supposed to be a drink, not an entire meal. This is, yeah. I've seen them. I've seen them all the way. The but my favorite uh, accoutrements. I like a little. Uh, you know, I don't mind the piece of okra. I like a pickle in there. Maybe a shrimp, fried or raw, and a piece of cheese and a couple uh, a couple olives. That's all. That's all you need. I don't think I've ever seen an okra in a Bloody Mary before. Down south. When uh, I do a lot of drinking in New Orleans, because I don't like, because, you know, a lot of bars around here won't let me in anymore. So if you go down south, they put pickled okra in there. Oh, pickled, okay. Yeah, they just drop it in there. Plunk. Cool. Yeah. Listen, hang hang around with me, Kyle. I'll open your eyes to all kinds of crazy things. Mostly how to get out of, you know, out of day court. So I like to do this on WGN uh, when I'm down there. I like to do it uh, all over. I like to talk about... Florida, because Florida is where goofy things happen, right? You hear all these different Florida stories. So we've got a little thing called Florida News, where, uh, well, if you think about it, there's a lot of heat, a lot of humidity, and a lot of bugs. And a lot of people go to Florida because they don't really fit in anywhere else. And so things happen. Like this, a 49-year-old woman told emergency dispatchers her boyfriend pushed her. But when police arrived, she wanted help finding her remote control. Yes, her TV remote. Sebastian, Florida police reported hearing a woman yelling. Officers went there after a reported physical disturbance with the woman telling dispatchers that her boyfriend pushed her to the ground. Now, that's going to get people to your place very quickly. It's going to get law enforcement there. But then the woman, who smelled of booze, told investigators she wasn't in a physical altercation after all. Uh, that she was just grumpy with him due to hiding the television remote. Now, I've lost the remote before. I'm sure you lost the remote before. Ever thought of calling the police? No, of course not, because you're a rational human being, you know? But this was what happened. Then, this is how bad it is when you get Florida news. The Florida newspapers also put in information that most of us don't really need. My hand to God, this is actually in the story from the Florida newspaper. A television remote is a handheld device, typically powered by AAA or AA batteries, that can control a television remotely. A television remote affords television viewers the luxury of remaining seated while performing fun- functions, including changing channels and lowering the volume. That short paragraph right there should be a reason none of us ever go to Florida again. If you, if you need to have the remote control explained to you, one... I'm doubting you can read a newspaper to begin with. And two, you really shouldn't have a television set. You should be spending all your time at some remedial uh, learning center 
trying to figure out what's the matter with you. So it wasn't immediately clear what was going on, but then uh, she told police she'd been imbibing vodka for the afternoon's entirety. I like that they take they explain to us what a remote is, but then they try, instead of just saying she's been drinking vodka all afternoon, they try to fancy it up by saying she's been imbibing vodka for the afternoon's entirety. All right. Use all, use all your big words, reporters, for the, uh, the Temp County Palm. Investigators said she put her hands inside her pockets and wouldn't take it out, so she was jailed on charges of disorderly intoxication and resisting an officer without violence. So there's a good example of a Florida story that just happened. But let's, let's look back. A year in Florida news. There's all kinds of things. All kinds. Um, alligators top the list in Florida. Alligator news stories. Uh, there was one about a man who was contracted with the state's nuisance alligator program. Which another reason. One, they have to explain what remote c- controls are. Two, they have a nuisance alligator program. Which means alligators, which are basically prehistoric beasts, are just showing up at your house. All the time. He responded to a call of an alligator swimming in a pool, uh, then played with the eight-foot-long reptile until he became tired. And it became tired. Then he lifted it out of the water and held it over his head for an Instagram photo. He said, I haven't had a good-sized gator in a swimming pool in probably a year, so I was kind of looking forward to this when I got the call. Uh, The alligator, thankfully, everything was fine, relocated to a wildlife park. Uh, a lot of other gator stories in Florida, as you can imagine, and not just the uh, the Florida Gators who played last night. Who were they playing last night? Clemson. No, not Clemson. I forget who they were playing. It was on where I was. A reptile knocked on a woman's door the night before Thanksgiving in Fort Myers. In Martin County, two men poured Coors beer into an alligator's mouth. They were arrested. They should have let the drunk alligator have at him. That, that seems more just. Let the gator take over. I like that. Uh, Alligators weren't the only animals that made headlines in Florida. A restaurant in Stewart, Stewart, Florida, canceled its Monkey Mondays. Why, you may ask? Doesn't that sound like fun, Monkey Mondays? It's a good marketing plan. Get the family in. Bring the kids. See a monkey. Sure, that's all fine and good until a nine-month-old capuchin monkey named Jojo bit a a child's finger. I don't know what kind of restaurant is going to have a (laughs) monkey. It just doesn't sound sanitary, does it? Come on into the buffet. Yeah, there's monkeys running all over. I know monkeys throw things, but uh, that's it. Somebody texted uh, from the 920, Google your birthday. Google on your birthday and a Florida man and see what pops up. Well, look at Kyle's nodding his head. Have you done that? Have you Googled your Google on and then your birthday, Florida man? I mean, you don't have to do it on your birthday. You can do it on any day and you'll find some wild, crazy there's story. Always, I'm telling you. Florida is America's trailer park. There's no two ways about it. That's every, uh, you know, all the disenfranchised end up in Florida because they think, oh, it's sunny and warm, but you're living in a swamp and you're battling mosquitoes as big as pigs. It's, it, it drives people crazy. Uh, then you got restaurants that are going to have Monkey Mondays. A man uh, in uh, Lake Worth Beach, man was feeding a kinkajou, which is a... Uh, what is it? A kinkajou is like a raccoon with a, a prehensile tail that's native to Central and South America, but it attacked him. No good. No good for the kinkajou. <laughs> Labrador retriever got behind the wheel of a car, did donuts in Port St. Lucie. Uh, a man 
parked his tiny smart car in his kitchen because he was worried it would blow away during the hurricane. A Port Orange funeral home gave away a free cremation as part of its grand reopening. <laughs> we got to get sales on that around here. Sounds like a good plan. Get a nice uh, funeral home deal going. Port Charlotte, uh, a toilet exploded when lightning struck a home septic tank. No one was injured. Uh, the homeowner said, I'm just glad none of us were on the toilet, which is basically the bust understatement of the year. In fairness, there were some good things that happened in Florida. Uh, Khalil Mack from the Bears, he is Fort Pierce, Florida. He stopped at a Walmart store in December, paid off all the layaways at the Walmart, eighty grand. That's a nice thing. And a 73-year-old man wanted to take a little bit of the stress out of the holiday season. He gave $4,600 to help 36 families pay their water and gas bill. So for all these stupid gator stories and people blowing up on toilets and people parking their cars in their house, there might be some good people in Florida. We'll have to look hard for them, though. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, here's your host, Brian Noonan. I love that his voice drops down like it's very uh, suspenseful. And now, or, or almost resigned to the fact, well, now here's your host. Uh, Jeff will be back on Thursday, so that is good news for all of Jeff's fans. He will be back uh, Thursday at noon. His vacation will be over. Uh, when you hear young people using slang, does it make you feel old because at a certain point you've just, uh, you know, you've learned your language, this is how it goes, you don't know what the slang means, and every generation has tried to come up with new slang, uh, either so they can feel unique and uh, communicate with each other in a way that older people can't understand, or just because they're bored and they need to come up with new words. You know, I, I think back of the slang over the course of my lifetime that we've used that people don't use anymore. Nobody calls things boss anymore. Uh, things are rarely groovy, which is unfortunate, unless you're saying it ironically. But 2019, uh, the Gen Zers and the Millennials, they were coming up with slang nonstop. What slang word or phrase drives you crazy no matter when you hear it, 855-616-1620 is the Acunet Mortgage Talking Text Line. These are, these are some new slang words that came out in 2019. Uh, I'm going to need your help with this, Kyle, because I don't, some of them I know, a lot of them I don't. Um, but we'll start with yeet. Do you know what yeet, yeet is? I remember this from last year being like one of the most hated words yes. of the year. I don't blame and, I don't blame you for and, hating. And I that was my first time ever hearing it and I learned what it was and I can, I couldn't tell you. It means it's either a happy expression of agreement or describing throwing something far and fast. So you want to figure out which one uh before you're using it but uh, so ooh yeet if uh, hey uh I got your car yeet if if I gave someone a gift and they said yeet, I would immediately take the gift back and have those people put in some sort of asylum. So if we're talking uh, like tossing around a pigskin, gotta, yeah, gotta go, go long, yeet. go long. I gotta yeet this I gotta your yeet way. This I gotta yeet it at you. Uh, tea is gossip, and spilling the tea is telling someone else all the juicy details. Never heard <laughs> oh, it. No, never heard it. Now my daughter, who was in that age group, she will just say goss, the hot goss. That's her slang for gossip. Which sounds like she's trying to boil a goose. I, I never understand quite what she's up to. 
but I have not heard T. Sis. Uh, it's not a little sister. Uh, they refer to it or to any close friend or loved one, regardless of gender. So it can also be used to end uh, any particular se- any kind of sentence too, which makes no. How listen, this is lazy. Uh, this is the youth being lazy. You got to come up with a different word to end a sentence. Uh, and sis doesn't. That, that makes no sense for every relative. So I'm somebody's sis. I don't think that's right. You know, I'm a hepcat daddy-o, but I'm not a sis by any stretch of the imagination. That's dumb. How about curved? You know what curved means? <laughs> I'm, not term? Any, I'm not getting any of these. Uh, I, I, you, wow. See, now you're feeling old. Welcome to the club. Good for you. I don't know who... I, see, this is the thing. I don't know who uses these words. Because I'm around, you know, I'm around people in their late mid to late 20s and up on a regular basis. So it's not like I'm, you know, at the home only talking to, you know, people who have one foot in the grave. I'm I'm out. I'm out living. Being rejected, particularly in a romantic way. That's what it means to be curved. <laughs> All right? Some, shouldn't slang have some basis in reality? How does... Maybe yeah, throwing a curveball. Yeah, like that, that? that's yeah, but that, the striking out—that's where that's better. Yeah, well, that means yeah, that means you never even yeah. Well, strike. Listen, striking out is an old person's phrase. Uh, ratioed. It's a one way. If someone is high quality on Twitter, is the ratio of their comments to likes and retweets. Uh, having a lot of replies but not as many likes means that people really, really don't like what you said, and uh, you might not go viral, which is a bad thing. So you need to be ratioed. How are you ratioed? That Now, that one was a conversation that we got into with my daughter the other night. She was talking about people's ratios. Um, and, oh, if you were ratioed, if you had a good ratio or not. I was like, what are you talking about? Do I have a good ratio or not? But I did. I, had, uh, I forget what social media platform. But, listen, you should all be very envious because I had a good ratio. <laughs> to me, that means nothing. Uh, uh, this this I just heard for the first time the other day when somebody said flex. If you flex on someone, it's a way to one-up or prove that you are better. You can do it literally by showing the guns, or uh, you can do a more figurative flex. A weird flex, weird flex but okay refers to someone who thinks they are one-upping you but are usually uh, using a really strange comparison. So have you ever... You, going to throw a flex at me that, i've heard that one before that one, all right so we yeah, both like, heard flex like if i'm boasting about something like right yeah weird flex kyle nice so you've I, heard I would about never, it before i would never use that word i think you just but. did <laughs> i think you just tried to throw that out uh 855-616-1620 is the academic mortgage talk and text line matt's in milwaukee hi matt hey how you doing today good so you teach fourth grade Yes, and there's a word that I hear day in and day out, and it's driving me nuts. It started uh, the end of last year, but bra. Bra? Like bro, like bra. <laughs> yeah, what's up, bra? Like they're in Jamaica all of a sudden? What's happening to bra? I don't know. Wh- that, that, I don't know where, where, but uh, that's the word that um, the new lingo, I guess. And so all the fourth in graders fourth grade are using land. it? In Do- fourth grade land, at least. Not just fourth grade land, in K-8. Okay, so in, in elementary school, everybody's a bra. Is it boys and girls? Everybody's a bra. It does not matter. It doesn't matter. What about the teachers? You don't allow them to call you bra, do you? It 
it has it kind of just started slipping a little bit. So once we get back from break, we, um, we're putting the foot down with that for sure. You got to correct out. The kids can't call their teacher bra. It's the whole social fabric will unravel at that point. Well, Matt, happy new year, bra. Have a good day. (laughs) Take care. Oh, yeah. I imagine fourth grade is probably, well, it's fourth grade, like 11, maybe 11 years old. Kid calling you bra. Hey, what up, bra? Shut up. Weisenheimer. Uh, All right. Here's another one. Another slang term from this year that uh, I have never heard. Maybe you haven't either. But what is what is the one that drives you crazy? Matt's was bra. What is yours? 855-616-1620. On read. Nothing stings more than uh, seeing people seeing that someone has read your text message and chosen not to reply. Uh, leaving someone on read is an electronic diss. The same as answering someone in person with silence. Wow. So next time you don't return my text, Kyle, I'm sending you an on read. Then you'll know why I'm dissing you electronically. Doesn't that take half the fun of dissing somebody away if you do it electronically? I would much rather diss somebody in person. That's just me. Low key, we all know what that means. Something is subtle or not terribly important, but still important enough to bring up. You call it low key. Uh, Jomo. Now, I I knew about FOMO. That's the fear of missing out. Everybody knows FOMO. But Jomo is the joy of missing out. It's a feeling people have when seeing everyone else is living their best lives on social media, um, and you don't want to do that. You're not an extrovert. So you are relieved that you don't have to do it. Jomo, the joy of missing out. <laughs> that's just that's like sour grapes. That's the slang equivalent of sour grapes. Well, I don't need to go out and do that. I didn't want to do that anyway. I don't want to hang out with you guys and live my best life. Hashtag blessed. Just do something else. All right, we got a couple more slang terms that are uh, driving people crazy. And then uh, got a lot more to get to before we get out of here at 3 o'clock. It's WTMJ. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. A couple more slang words that became very popular in 2019 for, I guess, I'm guessing people under 20. (laughs) So far, Kyle and I have known about three of them. Uh, And I'm also asking you the slang term or phrase that drives you crazy, your least favorite from this last year or all times. We had a fourth grade teacher say bra was the one he hates the most. Uh, the reveal, according to the 262, the reveal bothers me to no end. Reveal is a, ber- a verb. Revelation is the noun associated with that verb. So, oh, it's time for the reveal. Somebody has, uh, somebody has Jomo about Elf on the Shelf. <laughs> How do you have joy of missing out on Elf on the Shelf? It seems so innocuous. But, uh, thank heavens it didn't become popular until after my kids beta- became teens. Yeah, I, um... I had one when I was teaching. I had an elf on the shelf because it does tend to keep some kids in line. But now, I don't know where it is. But yes, we didn't have elf on the shelf. We just had threats from our parents that Santa was watching. My dad would do that. He'd be sitting at the kitchen table smoking while we were all still eating dinner. And we'd start acting up in December. He'd go, I just saw the elf in the window. (laughs) Okay. So we didn't need elf on the shelf. You know why, kids? Because we had imaginations. That's why we didn't need elves on the shelves. Uh, Snack. You know what that means, Kyle? Snack means somebody's cute. They look good. They're hot or fine. They're a snack. 
tasty snack. I've heard that before. Have you? Like friends being like in a joking way, being like, "I'm a, I'm a snack," but uh, I've never, I've never used. You've never used. Never it? described myself as a snack. How no. about your, how about your lovely fiance? You call her a snack? Oh, she's yes. Baby, she, you're a, yeah. Uh, listen, I always say my wife's not a snack. She's a meal. She's a whole deal, baby. That's when I'm making long money. You know, I've tried to bring, I've tried to create some slang. It's not working out. The Michelin star. I'm Ooh. like, I, ooh. Sure, yeah. I'm, I'm like the girl in Mean Girl who uh, tried to make fetch work. It's not happening. Bougie, I hear bougie all the time. Bougie just means you're trying to, uh, it's often used tongue-in-cheek to mean something unnecessarily fancy or someone who thinks they're high class but really aren't. Bougie's, bougie's kind of made it into the mainstream. A lot of these others have not. This was the this is the dumbest one. Uh, small. Oh, it's small. Just means small. So why don't you just say small? I, I it amazes me when people just, you know you see that a lot when people will write something and it's just dumb. Just why are you why are you writing such dumb things? Because uh, you know just because you can and because you want to be different. All right. Uh, swole, we all know what swole means. Uh, hun. Hun just means a saccharine sweet phrase sometimes used by women who are pretending to be overly friendly. Or if you're in the South and you go into a Waffle House, every waitress will call you hun. That's just how it goes. All right, let's do this. And then you have a dog, you have a cat, you have some pets. There's going to be some fireworks tonight. There's going to be people shooting out guns, uh, shooting off guns, rather. Things might get a little dicey for your animals. Give you a few tips to, uh, kind of... Calm them down a little bit. Yes, it's New Year's Eve on WTMJ. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. A couple more texts coming in about the uh, slang that you hate or words or phrases that you just can't stand. Uh, from the 920, my son used to say pwn. Uh, drove me nuts. Oh, yeah, because you've been pwned. Which I don't I, I forget where that comes from, but I've, I've heard that one before. I think it came from video games. Is that right? Yeah, like online gaming. Okay. So you've been owned, you've been pwned. All right. Good for you, jerks. Uh, and hate the words awesome and the word like to connect thoughts. That from the 414. Very good. Uh, so if you have a dog, you know that tonight people are going to be blowing off fireworks. And uh, do we need to tell people not to shoot guns into the air, Kyle? Is that the responsible things to do? Tell people don't shoot guns in the air on New Year's Eve? Part of me wants to not say that to people because at some point it's thinning out the herd. If you're that dumb that you're going to shoot a gun in the air, the problem is you shoot your gun in the air and it's probably not going to hit you. It's going to hit someone else. So if you need that reminder that at midnight not to shoot a gun in the air, there, now you have it. Uh, but I have a feeling if you were going to do it anyway, my words are not going to change the way you think. But whatever the case, things will be exploding at midnight, and your dogs are going to be going crazy. Uh, some dogs will run away. Some get scared. I don't know what your pets do. Uh, my dogs do not like... They are, they're not different than any other dogs. They don't like loud noises. One of my dogs, one of my older old dogs, used to go and hide in the bathtub. Uh, now, one will just curl up really tight on the couch. Another one will go hide under the bed. But make sure that you know what's coming so that you don't, uh, you don't have your dogs traumatized. You know, it's just something loud and scary for them. Another, one triggering reason pets get riled up is because uh, 
the routines are changing. You know, so it's New Year's Eve. Not only are there going to be fireworks and maybe some gunshots, maybe you're having people over and the dog is going to be, you know, so there's new people in the house. That's going to throw your dog off. So some experts say if you get them like a Chewy or something or a toy and you set up, set them up in a room by themselves, that can kind of give them a sense of calm. So you could do that. Uh, just give them a little more understanding. And I don't know if you have if you have your dog microchip, that's good because here's the thing: when it gets close to midnight, don't put your dog outside. Just have your dogs inside. That way, there's no chance that you know, God forbid, the gates open or they're going to panic or they're going to be on the leash. You're going to be out walking them at midnight, which seems like a, a silly thing to do, but you're going to be walking them, and then all of a sudden, boom, they're going to uh, they're going to take off. How about some background music? Play your dog some tunes. My dog likes old school R and B. They like to get the they like to, the noise. They like the funk. That's what the dogs uh, dogs do. So put on background music. Turn a TV on to help drown out the noise. Uh, it's a little late though to go to your vet, but there are you know as uh, the summer comes or you can anticipate this, you can go and get some sort of prescription from a vet. I did go uh, around the Fourth of July. You can go to PetSmart or one of the big pet stores, and they have these little chewable things that uh, kind of help calm the dog. They're non, non-prescription. They just kind of, I don't know if they've got beta blockers in there. I don't know what all is in there. But it did kind of calm the dogs down a little bit. doesn't make them lethargic or anything. It just kind of chills them out. All right. So good luck. Good luck with the hounds tonight. Uh, I don't know if cats care about the noise. I don't think cats care about it pretty much anything. They're going to do what they do, no matter what. On the other side of the news, we are going to talk beer, because we're in Brew City, and I love drinking beer. I love talking about beer. Kathy Flanagan writes about beer for the Journal Sentinel, and she will join us on the other side. But right now, we go to the WTMJ Breaking News Center. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So much panicking behind the scenes. I wish we had a camera so you could see uh, Kyle scrambling and me scrambling. Everybody's scrambling. That's the joy of live radio on New Year's Eve. Uh, it is a time to sit back and have a drink. We did get a couple of texts uh, regarding dogs and the fireworks from the 414. Dogs can tell when people start getting nervous about the fireworks. It makes them more nervous. So if you stay calm, the dogs will stay calm. And then I love this one. My dog would be running around looking for whatever had been shot. She's a yellow lab. <laughs> so there you go. All right. You're going to sit down tonight, have a beer to ring in the new year. Lots been going on, not only this year, but in the last decade as uh, 2019 brings the tens to a close. A lot happening in Milwaukee beer-wise, and the woman who has her finger on the mug of all that's happening is Kathy Flanagan, who writes about beer and other things for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, and it's always good to talk to uh, Kathy. You can follow her on Twitter and Instagram, at Kat Flanagan. Kathy, Happy New Year. Thanks for joining me. Happy New Year. I was wondering where you were going with the finger on the mug thing. Uh, listen, I, I didn't know, but uh, sometimes I, I just start talking and I hope I get there. That's Sorry, <laughs> sorry to make you scramble. No, not at all. Don't, don't worry about it. We're glad you're here. Uh, all right, let's start. Let's start with the big thing. I saw you had a nice piece the other day in the Journal Sentinel. Uh, over the last 10 years, 32 small breweries have opened in Milwaukee. That's pretty impressive. 
Yeah, it is. And that's Metro Milwaukee. Um, I know that the Wisconsin Brewers Guild has uh, slightly different numbers depending on where, what area you're talking about, but that's the, the places I frequent. <laughs> All thirty-two. Good for you. Very nice. So, what what do we what do we owe that to? Because you also said that this is Milwaukee was kind of lagging behind, despite the fact that Milwaukee is known as a beer town and a brewing town. Uh, the craft beer movement didn't really catch on and start to explode till about twenty sixteen. What what was the holdup? You know, I, I I've been asking this question since I started writing about beer, like in. 2014 and or yeah 2014 and i i think there are a couple of reasons i mean we were sort of slow to the entrepreneur trend which is part of what beer is about um there were a lot of loyalists to miller coors um or miller or coors or whatever they're called right now um (laughs) i mean i know they just changed their name i'm sorry i don't mean to be flipping about that but um there were loyalist people whose family had worked there um and then there were people who who hadn't tried anything but that lager, um, so, I, I mean, we had Sprecher here. We had Lakefront, Water Street Brewery, um, a few more. Uh, Milwaukee Brewing came in, Rock Bottom, Silver Creek, which is now Rebellion, and Delafield Brewhouse. And I think that um, they were there. They, they uh, the, Certainly Sprecher, Water Street, Lakefront weathered a, a storm when a lot of the, that first, there was that first push to craft breweries, and then a lot of them crashed after that. Okay. So they weathered that storm. But I think, you know, people just took them for granted. And then as um, beer tastes changed around the country, they changed here slowly but surely. Um, entrepreneurs came in, the that local craft um, food, the food to table movement, even coffee all helped bring craft beer to Milwaukee because we got used to paying. We got used to flavor, more flavor. Yeah, and that's, I mean, nothing against the the big breweries, but that's, you're right, we had had been drinking the same kind of thing with every once in a while you'd get, oh, a Heineken or something like that (laughs) that was exotic, but we were all used to the same kind of thing. Now, besides besides the beer itself, which, as you said, now we we started experiencing different tastes and different flavors and styles were coming in, what's the draw, do you think, of the tap room? As opposed to like the corner tavern, or is it the same kind of thing? Well, it's it's similar. Um, I don't want to diss the corner tavern because they have things that people who don't like beer will drink. Right. But I think the tap room is is typically a little more spacious, so you don't necessarily belly up to the bar. So you feel like you can bring your kids and and they can run around or they can play a game that's in the corner in a tap room. Um, and I think that. Brewers have worked really hard to make tap rooms accessible to groups. You can bring your own food, so you don't necessarily have to order anything there. Um, you save a couple of bucks that way. It's open to parties. Um, they have events like yoga or knitting groups or drag queen bingo. Um, things, they they want to draw a community, and they do it in those ways. Now you mentioned the there were there were the first entrepreneur brewers that came in, and they weathered a storm. What what caused was it just bad product or bad business that that next wave that kind of you said came in and they they failed they didn't they didn't quite have what was what was needed. Well, I think that it there, and I wish I knew the exact reason for that first dip in it. But you know, some of it was recessions. Um, people didn't have the extra money, um, and also you just you need more. 
like the the reason one of the reasons that tap rooms and breweries are doing okay right now is the more you have, the more people consider it an option. And when you just have a, a couple, it doesn't. It, it's not always top of mind. And right now, you just have so many choices. Right. Well, you, so many choices in breweries, and then also so many choices in the styles of beer that you can experience when you go into these different breweries. Because everybody seems to have, you know, there's there's some common styles, but every brewery seems to have they're unique this is this is our flagship style over the over the course of this evolution of craft brewing is there a style that you saw come in and you're like thank god that one's gone i was not a big fan probably because i didn't really understand the brute ipa the very dry ipa okay um i'm also i i can i i'm not sure Milkshake IPA is one with extra lactose. Yes. I can't drink a lot of those. Um, I like them once in a while, but probably not as often as some other people do. And there are some places that make really good milkshake IPAs. They're just not for me. Yeah, there's, well, that's how I feel about sours. I, uh, there's people who love sours, and I, I've tried so many of them, and it's like, nope, I just, that's not, that's not for me, but good on you if you like them. I do. I, I know you do. I know you, and, and my wife, a lot of people love them, and I'm just, yeah. I don't understand you. But that's okay. Uh, <laughs> is, there, is there one that you were surprised caught on as much as it did, whether it's, you know, now everybody seems to be experimenting with, like you said, the lactose and the different types of IPAs. Was there one that you, you came in, you tried it, and you went, this is never going to last, and then boom, it exploded? I'm not sure if there's one that I didn't think was going to last. There, There's a... a trend here that surprises me a little bit is the um lower alcohol i'm i'm in favor of it it just surprises me you know the uh, beers that are lighter lagers right. um used to be known as lawnmower beers and um i'm I, I see milwaukee starting to embrace that again and i think that's almost that's that's that surprises me but i'm also happy about it um there was a lager festival in march that i didn't I didn't see as many people as I expected to see there, okay. but I, they're going to do it again this year, and I think it's going to be great. And I think the return of lagers, um, some people have always made them, like Franz Brecker, um, but I think that's kind of interesting. Yeah, I think uh, that, to me, when I hear that with the lower alcohol stuff, I under because a lot of the craft breweries go the opposite direction, where all of a sudden you've got all these beers that are very high alcohol content, and you can have one and you're pretty much done. And I'm sure they want people sitting around having two or three. So if you go with the lower alcohol, but that seems to harken back to the big breweries. I, well, I think this can all coexist, and I think that um, it's it's a good trend because it gives people an option. You don't just have to have something. I love the high alcohol beers. I do, but you can, you have an option to have something that you know you can sip have have one or two of have with a meal and it won't overshadow your meal you'll be able to taste your food which is a good thing yeah that's always good but can you <laughs> hold on for a minute kathy because i sure. want to talk to you about uh this year what you've seen in 2019 and what you think is coming for 2020 and a new brewery is setting to open in Walk, so we've got a lot to talk to kathy flanagan is my guest you can follow her at cat flanagan on instagram and twitter and you can read her always in the journal sentinel kathy hang on we'll be back with you in just a second it is 620 wtmj jeff wagner on wtmj 
We are talking beer on WTMJ with Kathy Flanagan. She writes for the journal Sentinel. You can read her there all the time. Sure, it's about other things, but uh, the beer is what we are talking about now because over the last decade, 32 small breweries have opened in the Milwaukee metro area. Uh, so, Kathy, what, what's the biggest change? Other than the number of breweries that have opened, what have you seen as the biggest change in the last couple of years and then this year as well? Well, I think one of the things that suggests that Milwaukee's a, a beer city in some ways is the um, the new tap rooms. Like um, Minneapolis is indeed brewing, opened a tap room and brewery here in Milwaukee, and uh, Door County Brewing, which has Hacienda Brewing as part of uh, its um, brewery. I, I can't explain that one, but Door County Brewing and Door okay. and Sister Bay um, or Bailey's Harbor. I'm sorry, they opened a tap room here as well, a Hacienda um, Beer Tap Room, Beer Company Tap Room, and um, I think that that says that Milwaukee is kind of a place to where people want to serve their beer, um, where they think that people are receptive, beer drinkers are receptive to their styles of beer. Um, so I, I found that to be kind of um, an interesting trend starting. Also, I think that um, at one point, Sprecher had a second tap room. They've since closed it, but um, Good City opened a second tap room. I mean, I think those all suggest that it's sort of a healthy economy for beer here. What about the consumers? How have, how have beer co- consumers changed over the last couple of years? You know, I, I, I we talked about the, the lockers and, and their... I don't think as many people are going to beer festivals. I can't say that for sure because I've sort of limited my time going to them. But I think there gets to be a little bit of festival fatigue. Um, Those people that come with a million pretzels and a string around their neck and try and drink everything in sight, I I think that people aren't doing that as much anymore. It seemed like back a couple years ago there were a few a year. And now you're right. There's festivals just about every week. There's some kind of beer festival. And if you go to them, as I do, uh, but I'm like you, I've cut back because they're always the same. It's the same, the same people there, the same kind of thing. It's like, all right, I've done this before. I don't need to, I don't need to keep doing it. Well, the Milwaukee, I'm never going to get their name right, but, um, uh, the, the brewers in Milwaukee have a group and they're holding a winter whales. Beer Festival on January 11th. There are two sessions. And, I mean, that's a chance to talk to the brewers because the brewers are sponsoring it. Yes. Um, then that's what people look for. I mean, you really want to be able to discuss beer because that's sort of the fun of it is to just have these theories and and comments and, you know, be able to talk to them about why they do what they do. Um, and, and so that'll be a new one for this year. But in summer, I just start to get a little fatigued with with them every weekend and and i think they're great for people who don't know anything about beer or who want to try it they're that it's also a great community right. but i think there gets to be a point where people take advantage of it and they just don't even know what they're drinking after a while well it's good to go to ones like you said that that the brewers are responsible for i went to one last year a uh, beer under glass and it's it's the brewers so you can talk and i think that is a big change for beer consumers too that uh, we've begun to really become knowledgeable of what you know what we not in a snobby way there are some beer snobs and there's the the people who try to act uh, too cool for school but uh, you know just to know what's in it what you're what they're trying and you know we've become more educated about that where do you think 2020 will lead us beer wise um i think 2020 is going to slow things down a little bit um I I know that there are some new breweries coming in uh, the coming year, and I know, like, Broken Bad is going to expand, but I also think it's going to 
slow down a little bit and that people are there. You can already see sort of this idea that they, they want what they want. Right. Um, and they will have decided on a lot of places and it might flush out some breweries that, um, well, it's, the, it's, everybody's talking about this. The thing it's going to be is local beer. People want to know where their beer came yes. from, and I think that's going to continue. So I think, um, I don't think the, the shelf space is going to be as much of an issue. The breweries are, are going to gear their beer more for people who live near them, and people who live near breweries are going to go to those breweries. Yeah, and, th- and in that way, they have become the neighborhood tavern. Before I let you go, uh, your latest uh, your latest story in the Journal Sentinel is about Steel Tank Brewing. They're, they're opening up in Economowoc? Yes. And what what do we know about them? Well, they've been making beer for quite a while, but they make it at Brewfinity, which is also an Economowoc brewery. It's a great brewery. Um, but they're going to still, the still tank is going to open their tap room in what used to be Hops and Leisure, and then it was a hookah bar. And they have a kitchen, so they're bringing in a food truck, and they're going to have their beers on tap there. And then at some point, maybe they'll be able to afford some brewing equipment and brew there. But for now, they're pretty happy brewing with Brewfinity, and it's a chance for people in, in Lake Country to come and taste their beers. Very nice. Well, we'll have to sit down in the new year and have a couple and uh, swap some stories. Always good to talk to you, Kathy. You can follow Kathy Flanagan on Instagram or Twitter and uh, Instagram, yes, at, at yep. Kat Flanagan. You can read her all the time in the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, and you can hear her talking to me about beer uh, whenever she deems it, uh, deems it appropriate. I always appreciate it, Kathy. Good to talk to you. Thank you. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you as well. Ah, uh, yes. That's uh, it's amazing how many breweries have opened and how many you know people become loyal. Now, Kyle was mentioning the other day he works at one on, as a as another job. He's got a million jobs. The guy's always working. Uh, and there's it seems you can't you can't turn around nowadays without another brewery opening. And I think that's good. I love to drink local. I love to support the uh, local brewers, so we'll keep doing that in 2020. Let's do this, and then we will come back, and we'll find out what's happening on Wisconsin's Afternoon News and wrap things up here on WTMJ.